This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Fern Lullum, and welcome to Into You, the podcast where we put love under the microscope, shedding light on the do's, don'ts, and nightmare scenarios we find ourselves in while flirting with romance. You know, quite often people still talk about words like lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender in hushed tones or make jokes around it. It's not something we should make jokes around. We all come at dating from a slightly different angle, but we are often faced with very similar situations to shape up to. I was scared of basically expressing any attraction towards somebody in the conversation because I thought I would, you know, get made fun of if I did. Now, let's get into the juicy bit. This is the thing I've been waiting for. Dating as a pansexual person, how's it been for you, Kate? Dating can uncover things about ourselves we never knew before. So, without further ado, let's get into you. Are you ready to just jump in and go for it? Absolutely, yeah. Why not? (laughs) Well, hello there, and welcome to your sunny summer edition of the podcast that puts a scoop of sexy into human psychology, romantic, ranty, and at times ridiculous. That's definitely into you. On this episode, I was keen to delve into the world and love lives of our friends in the LGBTQ plus community. So I caught up with Kate Hutchinson, Education Manager at Diversity Role Models, a charity designed to educate children about equality and inclusion, and who also happens to be pansexual herself. Later, Kate shares what it was like coming to terms with her sexuality growing up. It just threw up this constant doubts, anxiety, confusion all the time about sometimes questioning if there was something wrong with me because I liked different types of people. And talks about how being pansexual can impact her everyday life. I'm going to be very conscious about what people might be thinking or might look at or the fact that we might get shouted at, we might suffer physical abuse because of it. But first, I wanted to rewind and take Kate back to a tender age where her dating journey originally began. Kate, let's start at the very beginning. Can you tell me a little bit about your first crush and what your early experiences of attraction were like? Oh, wow. So, okay, first crush was probably at the end of primary school. So, oh, 10, 11, something (laughs) like that. They had a school disco every year. It was sort of anything and everyone was like, oh, is anyone going with such and such a person? And I think it was somebody who was actually attracted to me and I was really, really nervous as well. And, you know, somebody had told me this person liked me. I saw her and I was thinking, yeah, she's really nice. I had all the butterflies, you know, all of that, um, that instant, but really, really nervous. And I was very, very shy. So it was really hard for me to speak up. So this whole strange communication thing went on where friends would go over and send messages and say, well, yeah, they like you. Do you like them? They want to ask you to the disco. Do you want to ask them to the disco? And it, it, this backwards and forwards went back. And we eventually got to this point where we did have a date at the disco. And actually, that's a story that goes quite a long way into the future as well. Oh, really? So that worked out for you, did it? It lasted quite a long time. Do you want the long story? Go on, do give me the long story, Kate. Okay, so that person I ended up, as much as somebody would date someone in primary school, I was a little bit really quite scared, though, at the same time, because she was very outgoing. She was, you know, really open, really outgoing. And that sort of scared me a bit because she had a lot of confidence and I didn't. 
it was the last year in primary, we went to secondary school. We were sort of dating at the start of secondary school. Then she moved away and then it all petered out. This is the fun bit now. About 25 years later, (laughs) through the uh, medium of the internet, we suddenly ran into each other again. And then, strangely enough, started dating again and ended up in a 12-year relationship. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she's still my best friend now. We're not together anymore, but we're really close friends. Oh, so that first disco date went the distance. Yeah, in a strange sort of roundabout way. (laughs) That's modern day dating for you. You can always find people again. It certainly is, yeah. It's a much smaller world. (laughs) Yes, you can't get away so easily now. Sometimes not such a good thing, but in that case, it was. That's good. So was there anything back then when you first started dating that made you feel different from those around you at all? I didn't have much confidence because as somebody who's trans, I, I always, and I knew from quite an early age, I always felt it hard to tell, be very open to people about who I am and my, just myself in lots of ways, not just my identity, but I was very sort of quiet, withdrawn because I didn't want people to make fun of me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I was very cautious on who I would open up to about anything. So I always found it hard to open conversations up when it came to dating because everyone perceived me as this boy growing up. I fell into the whole thing of feeling that I had to be attracted to girls. You know, that I had to do that and had to fit in along those lines, even though I knew quite quickly in my head from a young age that I was attracted to just generally people. (laughs) You know, gender didn't really come into it, you know. Um, So, yeah, I felt I had to fit a lot of stereotypes, which made me feel really awkward and quite socially awkward at times. So you mentioned the sort of social awkwardness. What was that like for you when you started to realise, oh, hang on, gender's not really a thing, you know, in who I'm attracted to? How did that feel just for you inside yourself? Incredibly confusing. I just think it heightened my anxiety. (laughs) I've dealt with anxiety all my life in lots of different forms, but having all this going through your head, and a lot of it was just because of those really reinforced stereotypes. I mean, This was the 1970s into the 1980s. You know, we're still pretty bad with stereotypes now, but back then, so much so, you know, everything was so, so gendered. It just threw up this constant doubts, anxiety, confusion all the time about sometimes questioning if there was something wrong with me because I liked different types of people where I was scared of basically expressing any attraction towards somebody in the conversation because I thought I would, you know, get made fun of if I did. Mm. Sounds like a very lonely time in your life. Yeah, it was. You know, I I had a very small but very close friends group. So the friends I did have were the best friends you could ever have. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's really good to have good friends. That makes a big difference. So now you identify as being pansexual. What does that mean for you? And for anyone who doesn't know, how does being pansexual differ from other sexual orientations? Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about sort of the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality. The way I define my sexuality really is that I'm attracted to people mostly for other things rather than just gender. Mm. Gender doesn't really come into it. Appearance can still be a lot of it, but I wouldn't say that's actually just gender-based. So it can be generally personality-based, it can be around intelligence, it can be just around if I click with a person and we have lots of the same interests. It's much more on a social level that I'm attracted to somebody. If 
there's that thing that just clicks, that lights me up. It's that rather than those characteristics that are associated with a gender. And I've dated people, to be honest, of many different gender identities. Yeah, I'm particularly really attracted to queer people in general and, you know, people from that community. That's interesting. What do you think that is that makes you attracted to queer people more than anyone else? Probably because there's more commonality there, I think, in experience. We may have come across some of the same attitudes growing up. A lot of the things that were going through my head as, you know, a teenager may have been the same things that they were trying to process at the same time. So quite often it tends to be a lot of common experiences, even though we're all completely unique individuals. There tends to be a lot more commonality and shared experience with other people from that community. And you speak there about the kind of characteristics that someone has being very attractive. What are some of the traits that really, you know, do it for you? So, yeah, there would be Traits in masculine people and traits in feminine people that are different, maybe, that I would like. So masculine traits that I am really attracted to are probably like somebody with, oh, yeah, nice bit of facial hair, long hair, quite a big build. And if we're talking more stereotypically feminine presentation, I mostly like lots of people with long hair, but also people with, I don't know, brightly coloured hair, quite strong, striking presentation. You could say the... Almost some of the hyper-masculine, hyper-feminine expression on both sides of that spectrum, I suppose. That makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it, though? You like the kind of extremes of the spectrum, like you say. I also like a real mix-up of the both sometimes. (laughs) You know, some hyper-femininity with hyper-masculinity. Oh, well, throw it all in there. Why not? Maybe that's the whole thing I got about the David Bowie thing as well when I was growing up, because that was somebody who was a massive icon to me. <laughs> and so you mentioned there about your friendships growing up and you had some really close friends and some good friends. How did you let others know in your life when you figured this all out? You know, when you started to think, oh, I am attracted to all genders. How did they respond to you when you told them that? I didn't for a long time. I kept it very, very quiet because I I can remember figuring it out. There were certain things that I remember at one point thinking, yeah, I definitely now know I'm attracted to this type of person or that type of person. But again, I didn't tell anyone until probably, ooh, probably my early 20s when I, I started to just mix with different groups of people. I'm a rock music fan and a lot of the way I used to dress and I used to sort of show myself at the time I used to be labeled as some sort of an outcast you know people make fun of me because of the way I looked because the clothes I would dress because I I always seem to be quite flamboyant sometimes in what I would wear (laughs) and because of the people I started to develop friendships around who were very like me too that made me realize that they weren't judgmental and that made me feel at ease. So probably, you know, in my early 20s I then just started to, you know, drop it into conversation or we'd be on nights out and just things would happen and I started to feel like I didn't have to hide myself at that point. Mm. Do you think they were really instrumental then in your confidence? Because I'm just wondering as you're talking what it would have been like if you hadn't had those supportive people around you. Without a doubt, absolutely, 100%. There's that saying about you can't be what you can't see and representation sometimes of being able to see people who are like yourself. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important sometimes and it can have that effect. I hear about coming out stories in the LGBT community and a lot of people, quite often I hear these stories about they go to university and they find themselves at university because they see a lot more diverse group of people in those 
environments mm. and that's where they start to realize that they're not going to be judged in the ways that they may have thought they'd be judged in maybe their hometown you know in those original friendship groups mm. in terms of those original friendship groups and some of the people that maybe aren't in that community do you feel that your friends and family are comfortable with bringing up issues surrounding your pansexuality i mean as someone who has a disability a lot of times people kind of tread on eggshells don't know how much to say about it don't want to offend do you have any of that with the people around you not anymore. <laughs> I think at first, I mean, because I never really, it's funny, I never really came out about my sexuality as much with my parents, I don't think. I mean, the thing I did do was around sort of gender and gender identity. And then I think I remember one time my mum saying, so does that mean you're attracted to men? I said, mum, to be honest, I'm just attracted to people. And she went, Oh, right. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> and and I think it took her a while to sort of think about how she talked around that. But I mean, she's massively sort of accepting and proud of who I am. And she's just like, yeah, there's these stereotypes about if somebody's from an older generation that they won't be accepting or won't get it. Mm. My mom's 76 years old. She gets it completely. <laughs> she's quite proud to talk about me and happy to talk about me to others, you know, and I'm fine with that. Occasionally I have to correct her in some ways and she goes, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, but she's good. She's great. I mean, that's so lovely to hear because it's such an important relationship and just having that support from somebody that's such a priority in your life, again, that must make a big difference to how you feel about yourself and how you feel about being able to express yourself and talk about it. Oh, incredibly. I mean, support is is vital. I mean, support needs to be there for people of all different types. We need to be able to celebrate who we are and we need to accept others for who they are. It's a real key thing. And we've got a long way to go as a society around that. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what it is that makes us not accept other people for who they are sometimes. I don't know. It really puzzles me. I think a lot of it still is around the fear of what we do not know or we're not aware of. And so, you know, I think education is key and visibility is key. We need to see more representation all of the time because once you have more information about something or different types of people and you're a little bit more aware and you see those people being more visible, it takes away all of these myths and debunks them and just gives that bit of, of reality. I loved how Kate's sentiments on this subject came along with a real feeling of offering people the benefit of the doubt. Instead of pointing fingers or shaming others, Kate's solution was simple, kind and patient. Educate them. Help people to understand and build empathy by telling your story in an honest and brave way. I, for one, had already learnt so much and I was intrigued to find out more, so I decided to brush up on my own knowledge and find out some facts about pansexuality. Firstly, according to 2021 census data for England and Wales, almost as many people identify as pansexual or bisexual as gay or lesbian. But despite this, bisexuality and pansexuality often remain hidden even within the LGBTQ community. But... Do pansexual people tend to live in more diverse cities? Well, not necessarily. Data shows that pansexual people live in every region of England and Wales and are only slightly more likely to live in London than any other area. So there's that one busted for you. 
pan means all, so pansexual means you're attracted to all gender identities, whereas bisexual means you're attracted to multiple gender identities, so that's the main difference. And finally, many people see pansexuality as a new quote-unquote fad, when in fact the word pansexual has been included in the English Oxford Dictionary since at least the early 1900s. We're just more aware of the term now because of increased social acceptance, which sounds to me like something we can all stand to benefit from. I mean, I think if someone can accept my quirks, they can probably accept just about anybody's. the things that Kate had touched on, which felt so integral in her story, was the support and love of good friends. Anyone who's ever got the sense that they were different somehow, or who has felt that old familiar twinge of fitting in by changing themselves, will understand just how important the acceptance of those around you can be. The feeling that we belong carries so much strength with it, especially during the times when we doubt ourselves. It made me appreciate how instrumental good friends can be in us finding the right romantic relationships. Kate's story certainly seemed to stand as a testament to this. And yet, I've been in these kinds of conversations for long enough now to know that there are usually two sides to every penny. While her story so far was heading in a promising direction, I was also interested to hear if Kate had any less favourable tales. spoke a lot about support and it sounds like you know you're very lucky to have a wonderful network of people around you have you ever felt judged or rejected for your sexuality at all yeah mostly through social media is where i've had a lot of hate actually in the past for being open about who i am and the type of people i'm attracted to social media has been the worst face to face because of most of the circles i revolve in generally i don't worry about that but Sometimes if I'm in a new relationship, and it's funny, depending on the type of relationship I'm in, there are still those cases where you might be worried about holding a partner's hand while walking down the road. Mm. So as somebody who identifies as pan and is a trans woman, if I'm walking down the street with maybe a woman I'm in a relationship with and we're holding hands, then I'm probably going to be more slightly on edge about where we are. I'm going to be very conscious about what people might be thinking or might look at or the fact that we might get shouted at, we might suffer physical abuse because of it. Whereas if it was somebody who presented as masculine, that is less of a likelihood, you know, because of that that homophobia that's still out there. And does that kind of impact the way that you behave when you're out and about? I think it probably does on a subconscious level. I don't always... I mean, even on a conscious level, probably occasionally it does. Yeah, undoubtedly it must do. Because <laughs> mm. I can remember before now being out with one partner, another woman, and we were walking down the road and she just like grabbed my hand and said, I'm not hiding. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's really nice because I think it's an easy thing if you're not in that situation to even think that you would have all of those doubts. But, you know, of course, you're always aware of it, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny because um, I've spent this last weekend working at a Pride event in Cardiff in Wales. I'm one of the organisers there. And safe spaces for different types of people sometimes are really important. And I realised like last weekend when I was there, I, I've had this thing at every event like that I work 
I walk out into the middle of the crowd in front of the stage while the bands are on, and I look around me, and I see guys with their boyfriends just really feeling comfortable that in that space they can dance together, hold hands together, you know, show affection for each other. And girls with, you know, girls, all these different types of relationships that are being shown there. And people just feel comfortable and happy to celebrate themselves and who they are in those spaces. So sometimes those spaces where people can really feel comfortable are so, so important like that. It feels almost bittersweet you saying that because that what you're describing sounds absolutely beautiful. But in the same breath, it's kind of sad that that isn't just how the world is in general. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree with you. It should be that. I mean, and that's probably why we still need events like that at the moment to raise awareness of that community, you know, because that, that's a whole movement that started around a protest about, you know, people being able to show their love for, you know, other people. Mm-hmm. And you were saying earlier that you've never really been confident and anxiety is something that you've dealt with. How do you cope when you feel judged or rejected for your sexuality? Right. So before I would have ran away from it, now I will step up and try and confront it in ways that I find positive. So again, I mean, I do a lot of public speaking for a job, so I generally will get up on stages and talk about it as well. If I'm getting, I spoke about social media, if I, I get abuse on social media, I will try and put out positive posts that, that counter that, or I will always try and be a bit of visible positivity is what I mean I suppose mm-hmm. putting it out there on social media doing what I do wherever I get a chance or a platform to speak I will speak about accepting our differences celebrating our differences because our differences are what make the world go round. So interesting and so relatable to me to listen to you saying about being you know visibly positive and kind of standing up and saying you know I'm proud to be who I am but do those comments ever still get under your skin does it ever still upset you in some ways? Yeah, absolutely. It really does. I mean, you know, it gets to the point, and it shouldn't even be this, where sometimes they now, I I would say, bounce off up to a point. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost this armour develops, but nobody should ever be in that position where they have to sort of put their shields up. (laughs) It's almost a Star Trek reference (laughs) to protect themselves. But It does, you know, even then, those scratches, you know, even when it bounces off, it leaves a little little scratch. Those microaggressions almost, you know, sometimes it can be small little comments, but they all mount up and mount up and they do get to you eventually. And sometimes I need to pull away, shut myself away, just take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sometimes we all need to just take a step back and take a breath, don't we? (laughs) Because at the end of the day, the people who are making those comments, who are shouting those things, who are pointing, who are making fun, they're the people with the issues. It's nothing wrong with ourselves. We are who we are. We should never, ever be ashamed of who we are. We must always remember that the issue is with those around us or those people who are trying to single us out, who are trying to separate us. Society generally, we need to be a lot more unified. We need to stand together, and especially when it's around things like homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, people who are not part of that community. We really need them to sort of stand up and challenge that type of behaviour when they hear it, see it. Even when there's nobody in the room who is from that community, you know, people need to stand up for others as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, beautifully said. 
I know you've mentioned earlier that you kind of went through this period when you were younger of questioning yourself and not knowing how to feel about yourself. And then you, you found sort of your people and you, you started to feel better about it. Have there been moments throughout your journey where you've kind of doubted it or wished that your sexuality was different? Or since you got to that point, have you always sort of felt proud to be who you are? Yeah, I think earlier on, because I came out with my sexuality first, I suppose, before I came out as trans, even though I knew both from an early age. Funnily enough, I think it was with differing levels of stigma, even though, I mean, bisexuality still gets a lot of stigma, even within the LGBT community, believe it or not. You know, everyone thinks it is some big, massive family, but there's still a lot of lacks of education within that acronym, so to speak. I think when I came out as trans and I transitioned at that point, and as a trans person, there's no, sometimes there's no way, you know, you can almost hide it. I think it gave me a lot of more confidence then to just embrace every part of who I was. You know, I thought if I'm going to be me, I'm going to be me in every possible way. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> There's no more hiding. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, let's get into the juicy bit. This is the thing I've been waiting for. Dating. Dating as a pansexual person. How's it been for you, Kate? Ah, it can be interesting at times. <laughs> I suppose this is, because I said earlier, I'm more attracted to queer people, because generally it's easier to date in a queer environment than it is in, I don't know, going down the local pub. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot more people in those situations who might be of the same types of attraction or generally are of the same experiences. It's easier to open up a conversation sometimes. <laughs> It's easier to gauge attraction, I think, in those situations, whereas in public environments, I suppose, it's much harder. So I find it a lot more challenging to to sometimes gauge whether somebody's into me or not, or whether they see me as a curiosity sometimes. I think a lot of people see me as a curiosity. <laughs> it's a good way of explaining it. It's really interesting to hear you speak about that because, you know, again, it's relatable, I think, to all of us knowing if somebody likes you or not and that awkwardness and that you know not knowing how to feel about somebody and that must just be even heightened if you're not even sure if somebody is of that sexual persuasion you know that must just be such a big question mark in your mind oh absolutely completely a lot of times it's probably i shy away from relationships when people show maybe interest or affection to me in certain types of social situations, I will probably back away a little bit. In others where, again, it goes into these certain types of social spaces, in other places, I will pick up on those signals or, or saying that, actually. It's not always exactly <laughs> right, because there are those times I will read those signals wrong. <laughs> um, Don't we um, all? Yeah, exactly. So I would say either way, it's always a minefield. It's dating. I mean, you've got you've got to sometimes just stick your neck out there and just go for it, I suppose, sometimes when you're talking to someone. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. When you can't read the signals in dating, sometimes you just have to go wading in and hope for the best. Being blind myself and not being able to visually assess the situation, let's just say I definitely know all about that. Next time, Kate talks about her experiences of disclosure in dating. I've seen somebody suddenly just go really quiet and then they said, did I just hear you right? Are you transgender? And explores what her journey with sexuality has given her. There has been nothing else in my life that has been so 
self-empowering as being able to stand up and say, yeah, this is me. I'm not going to apologise for it. And sometimes, you know, people find that really sexy. In the meantime, as always, I want to hear from you. Have you ever been judged for a choice you made in love? And how do you think we can create safe spaces in society where everyone feels more included? Leave me a comment and let me know. For now, though, you've been listening to Into You with me, Fern Dullum. Special thanks to my sensational guest, Kate Hutchinson, whose links will, of course, be in the show notes. Also to Josh Holland for technical support and to the manager of AMI, Andy Frank. Leave me your feedback at feedback.ami.ca and if you liked what you heard, make sure to search for Into You on your favourite or indeed any podcast distributing platform and subscribe for more episodes coming your way on the first Thursday of every month. I mean, have Thursdays ever been more exciting? 